Justine, do you smell that? Smell what? I don't know. It smells like victory in the air. <laughs> you know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. bright spot in this oh god a what a week, week. yeah <laughs> as people have been saying online a year of a week i feel like i just won the fucking nba finals the world series the super bowl all on the same night speaking of super bowls we're smoking on some of the super best cannabis. <laughs> excuse sorry that was my watch <laughs> amazing so siri uh siri pipe down assist. <laughs> yeah come on siri we're having a conversation here but i can guarantee you that we're smoking i can guarantee goddamn to you we're smoking some of the best cannabis on this side of the mississippi we're actually sparking up some uh han solo burger from chicago kush and you know like you said justine this has been a long week and i think that um as a result i just think it's a good this is a more more, uh, there's no better time to talk about mental health absolutely as yeah. hard as that was to say <laughs> and so um you know in the spirit of speaking about mental health we're joined uh by mark formerly known as officer dick downey i believe he was the authority on uh, can cannabis in illinois was it yeah yeah i i really liked his website so mark welcome to the chillinois podcast thank you for joining us today hey guys how's it going uh, it's it's better now that it's Saturday. I'll tell you that much. Gosh, it yeah, was great week. Yeah, yeah, great week. It's been a we're off to a good start this year. Yeah, little little, little insurrection won't you know start off the year. Yeah, little insurrection to give me an erection. I whoa whoa. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to be funny. I, honestly, so um, what what else can we do but joke about things uh, that are just fucking crazy like this? Uh, but yeah, um, so. Uh, yeah. How, how are we doing this morning, man? Or I guess it's Fine. this afternoon now. Yeah, I, uh, I'll i be talking about my mental health and um, it's going to be like gallows humor because that's pretty much the only way I can handle it. <laughs> yeah, man. That's the thing. You know, when people laugh at things, it's not so much that they're like, ha ha, pity the spirit. But like we have nothing else to do but laugh. Right. The reason oftentimes things are funny is because they're true and it's like a coping mechanism. We don't know what else to do but laugh. So yeah, no, I, I hear you. Plus, so. if you if you really think about the circumstances that bring you to where you are, uh, nobody wants to watch you cry about it. So you might as well make a joke and laugh right. a little. And especially yeah. if you're on your road to healing, then it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, to no, that it's way. fine. But uh, you know, yeah, it's mental yeah. health is a difficult. It's a difficult subject to talk about for anybody yeah. dealing with it. Yeah. Sure. So tell us about your road i hate to well first of all let me preface what i'm about to say by saying that 
I, the last thing, I have a background in writing um, as far as, you know, what I did for a living before some things started happening to me, but I was a professional writer and I went to school, you know, formally for writing for, you know, I got the bachelor's and the master's in writing. And, um, and so writing is my background, but, you know, I, I never wanted to, <clears throat> I never could figure out how to write about my, my own personal story. Um, because I never wanted it to be a, for lack of a better description, a, 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 a crybaby Oprah Winfrey confessional. Sure. Um, so I've never found a vehicle to, to talk about this before. Um, so I guess um, as a writer, I was never able to really address it. Um, but here I am, I'll talk about it today. I guess, um, unfortunately, the, the only way I can tell my story is to kind of start a little bit earlier than, than life now, because a lot of what I'm dealing with has to do with my childhood. Um, and I'm not going to, I'll try to just make it as, you know, um, I won't, I won't get into a lot of uh, details, but I'll, I'll say what I think is, you know, is needed to be said for people to understand what I'm trying to get at. Sure. Um, sure. So, you know, I grew up in um, upstate New York, in the Rochester, New York area. And um, uh, my father, I had a I had the older brother and then eventually a younger brother. And uh my dad was just a high school teacher, you know, making a very, very uh, middle-class living wage. You know, we lived in a very small rented house. This was in the, this was in the, you know, the, I was born in 1967. So this would have been in the early 1970s. And um, uh, my father uh, divorced my mom when I was five years old. And then uh, five years later, my mother meets a man through her secretary who is a New York state trooper. And um, he entered my life when I was 10 years old. My older brother at the time was 12. My younger brother was uh, eight. And um, he was a horrible, abusive monster. And uh, again, he was a police officer. So he was in my life from the age of 10 till the age of 18. And um, during that time, uh, he became horribly, horribly abusive psychologically and physically um, with everybody in the house. Uh, um, he, he, uh, he walked around the house with two guns at all times, one, one in his back, small of his back, and the other one in, the, in, in his ankle. Um, his, his, his favorite abusive behavior was to um, strangle me until um, I passed out. So he was trying to simulate murder on me. Um, he did this to everybody in my family. <clears throat> he, um, he was horribly, horribly racist. He used to say, you know, the N word and any other kind of disparaging racial remark come up with. Um, and, uh, you know, life wasn't very good for me for a very long time as a child. Uh, I learned a lot about police. I learned about racism. Um, I, he, he never spoke, <clears throat> he never spoke to me, not once in the eight years that he lived in the house. And I'm not exaggerating when I said that. I mean, he never said one word to me. He, he was, he was that abusive. In other words, he, he takes a lot of effort not to speak to somebody. And he was able to do that for eight years. <laughs> so, you know, my mother became one of my abusers. And the reason why all of this happened was because my mother was replaying a cycle of abuse that happened to her when she was a child. And uh, unfortunately, um, 
I became victim to that. So um, I think the important points, you know, some of the important points there is that um, I never met a police officer who wasn't a, a horrible, abusive monster. All the ones that I met through him were horrible people. I mean, I remember one time uh, I used to hear these horrible discussions they would have. You know, he'd have a few cop buddies over. And uh, I remember one time they talked about one night when uh, this guy became my stepfather, when he uh, he bragged about pulling a black guy out who was drunk, pulling him out of the car and throwing him down the ground and stepping on his, jumping on his back and paralyzed him for life. And they were talking about how they how they lied about it in court. Um, uh, so this guy was a fucking monster. And um, by the time I was 18 years old, I mean, he was a horrible, he was horrible. I mean, I could tell you stories that would blow your fucking mind, but I think you get the point. Um, so, you know, I got kicked out of the house when I was 18 years old and I was homeless. And uh, I worked construction and lived on people's couches and was an angry teenager slash young 20 something who was really fucked up in the head from PTSD. I didn't really understand it. And uh, I was drinking heavily and I was working construction and I was living like a fucking animal. And I was very angry. And uh, to make a long story short, when I hit my, my mid, when I was about 26, I, I said, I gotta do something. Um, I can't keep going on like this and living like this. And I, I ended up starting to go to college and I ended up spending the next six years going to college. And I, I graduated uh, finally with a master's degree um, from Carnegie Mellon, which I was kind of proud of at the time. Um, and, uh, you know, I did it all on my own. I lived in my car for some of my, <laughs> some of the years I was going to college. And uh, but it, so I was proud of that, having that resilience. Um, but the, the weird thing was, once I got out of grad school and I started working in, in the world as a writer, um, I did that. And then when, then about 2000 and, uh, 2003, 2004, in my late 30s, I started to get these stomach symptoms, these really bad GI symptoms where I was having really bad constipation. I was having horrible stomach cramps that were like incapacitating. I had to call into work. And at about that time, I, I moved out to Chicago for a um, for a job promotion. And when I came out here, my GI symptoms got worse and worse and worse to the point where after about three years, I had to quit my own job because I couldn't work it anymore because I couldn't live a normal life at all. Um, my symptoms had gotten so bad that I couldn't even go to work. Um, and I'll make a, another long story short is that I spent the next, uh, from the age of like 42, until the age of 50, 50, going to every doctor you could imagine. And during that time, I had a micro perforated colon. I got sepsis. They had to remove half a meter of my colon and I almost died. Uh, and so I couldn't figure out why I was getting sick. And the doctors couldn't figure it out either. And uh, I started going to trauma therapy, therapy um, in 2017, and um, here I am three years later, my stomach's 75, 80% better. So the root cause of what destroyed my life for so many years 
was PTSD. It was literally ravaging the inside of my body. The reason why all that stuff happened to my, my GI system uh, after going to a specialist, many specialists, I was finally diagnosed and it was, I'd have a pelvic floor pro, a disorder because PTSD fucked up my GI system so bad it can't even work properly. <laughs> wow. so, so yeah, so trauma therapy was the only way I could help my stomach. And, um, and it has helped tremendously. And, and it has also helped. I'm also taking an antidepressant and between the antidepressant and the trauma therapy, um, I, and some self-care, I, uh, I'm doing much, much better. And, you know, I'm a totally different person now. Yeah. That your story is just incredible like that. Wow. And especially to be going through, um, you know, all that abuse through the ages of 10 or you said, yeah, 10 eight, to 18, to eight, yeah. 10 to 18 yeah. yeah. And those are such like pivotal years in your life. That's where yeah. you're figuring out who you are, where your mm -hmm. place is in the world and just to be constantly beaten down. That's wow. And you know, so <clears throat> the weird thing about this, how it all hooks into my website is that one, one of the things that the abuse did to me, I've got scars. Um, I had to have uh, cervical spinal fusion surgery uh, in 2012 to fix what this guy did to my neck because he choked me so many times over the years, he herniated my discs in my neck. Um, so that was a trigger. Every day I woke up, that was a trigger, that pain in my neck. That was a PTSD trigger. Um, that surgery helped me, believe it or not, psychologically, <clears throat> because I didn't have that pain in my neck anymore to remind me what that person did to me. But but the uh, but the thing that really hurt me the most, and I don't know if you guys have ever had this experience, but it wasn't the physical beatings that those were horrible, but it was the psychological dis destruction of my self-esteem. Oh yeah. And that's what's destroyed my life. Um, my inability to be who be my fully to be uh, to fully to fully be who I can be because of my extreme low self-esteem. And um, so the way this connects to my site is that in 2015, when marijuana came to the state and me being a you know a heavy marijuana user most of my life. I said, you know, I want to try to see what I can do. And I created this website, Officer Downey. It was a crappy little site on GoDaddy. And, uh, and the reason why I did it was it was a form of self-therapy. I created Officer Downey, the character, as somebody that I could, it was as a parody, as a, as a, as a, as a, um, as a fool, as a, as a parody and a fool that I could control and I could mock and make fun of, um, turning the tables on my abuser in a, in a, in a, in a creative way. Um, and I, that's, and so what I did was when I first started the site, I would write my reviews and I would write these dumb little vignettes, like these little stupid stories about Officer Downey and what an idiot he was. And it was my way of self-therapy at the time. And, uh, so that's how I started Officer Downey. <laughs> that I, I love that. I mean, that is, like you said, a creative way to like, um, you know, heal yourself and to cope and to move forward with your life. And, um, you know, it's, it is kind of a, a parody to see an officer 
doing things related to cannabis, you know, having that, like that police title, but having it all relate to a thing that a lot of people see as a drug, like that's great job. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that dichotomy of the cop and the pot, I thought was interesting. I've got a lot of criticism. I got, I did get a lot of criticism for that. And then, you know, but I mean, if you guys have any questions about what I just said, if you want me to back up or if you have any other questions, I'm glad to answer them. Sure. Yeah. It's well, it's, it's heavy. A lot. It is. I, I mean, it's really heavy. Yeah. Uh, I know it's know, a lot to take in. Yeah. It's a lot to take in. And I guess like one of the thoughts that I, you know, had during your story, when you started having GI problems and it was like incapacitating and, you know, you're having to call into work and stuff like at, so to you, you know, at that time, you didn't know it was a result of, of PTSD, you know? And so what can I ask, like, just to, yeah, kind of take you back. What was that like? I mean, you know, so you have to call into work, which of course you do that because like, you're you're like, like, I can't get out of the fucking house, let alone do whatever you need me to do. I get that. But yeah, like, so you start talking to people and everything and, and you start going through these exams of what, like, and all the while you're not able to work. Like, what was that like? You well, know? you know, that's, that part of the story was the worst part of the story. That, those, those many years of going through the medical system. Right. And, oh right. my God. It was, it was and almost, being poked and prodded. I'm sure. Oh, Oh my God. You wouldn't believe the test I had to have done. And, uh, Oh, and one, and one, listen, the worst test I ever had was they took balloons and stuck them up my ass and made me shit them out to measure how much my fucking pelvic muscles worked. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it sounds awful. <laughs> oh, I, oh, my God. One time they gave me a, berry, a barium enema where they pumped fucking something like two liters of clay into my ass and then made me get underneath an x-ray machine and plug my asshole up so it wouldn't come back out. <laughs> Look, I'm not trying to, I, I really want to be clear that I'm not trying to make humor of your experience, no, no, but it's almost no. like you could have gotten PTSD learning what, that you have PTSD. You're so right. I mean, my, yes. I mean, my therapist is like, man, Mark, if you didn't have PTSD before you went through all this, you still yeah. you sure do now. Uh, yeah, no, it was hell. It was hell and back. And at the same time, I can't pay my bills anymore. And I lost everything. I was ruined financially, completely destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so that that I I know that's a dark chapter in your life, but how does that work? Because this is something that I think about with like the fact that I mean I I'm got I'm like triple covered on health insurance. Like I don't I'm pretty privileged. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know say that clearly right now. Um, but like I just oh, fell. I can't imagine being you know, without a job, without income. And like you said, like, and then not only that, but you're incapacitated. Like it's like a snowball. If it wasn't for my, my wife, um, then I don't think that I would be talking to you right now. Anyway, I think I'd probably kill myself by now. Um, I met my wife in about the same time I started having gastric problems um, in the early two thousands in my late thirties. And then she moved, we, we spent, you know, three or four years together and we got engaged and then we moved out to Chicago and, and she stuck with me through all this bullshit ever since. And she's been the one that saved me financially. And she's been the one that's had provided me with the healthcare that I needed through her work. 
If it wasn't for her, I'd be on social security or I'd be dead. Well, bless her, man. You get, you know, when, yeah. uh, that I'm glad that you have her. I just yes. keep it at that. Great to have those people in your corner. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Um, when I was in my twenties and I didn't have anybody like that in my corner, I suffered tremendously. Um, I had you, no money. Yeah. When did you meet her? If you don't mind me, asking. I met her in um, 2004, three, and uh, I was like in my late 30s at the time. Okay. Uh, she happens to be a Latin. Okay. From gotcha. uh, originally did from you, Ecuador. Yep. Did you meet her in Chicago? Is that what you used? No, I met her in, uh, I lived in Stanford, Connecticut okay. before I moved out to Chicago, and I, we met there. Yep. Gotcha. You'll have to forgive me. We're smoking, like I said at the beginning, we're smoking on really good weed. So it's, oh no, hey, the it's fine. story's heavy. So, it, like, <laughs> I, you know, it's hard for me to remember the details like that. So. No, no, I can, I can, I have no problem. But it's, it's, it's you know, um, my, fa- my real father, he died of a heart attack when I was 16 years old. Um, and he wasn't a very good father. He wasn't a whore. He wasn't abusive to me at all, but he was an absentee father. And um, my mother and father, when they got divorced, uh, they used the kids as pawns in court and it became this horrible thing. And so, you know, as I'm being horribly abused by this cop and my own mother, uh, my father is doesn't want to have anything to do with me. And, uh, and then he eventually dies when I'm in, like a sophomore in high school. Um, that was a really low point in my life because I felt like I didn't have anybody that I could reach out to at all. So, yeah, I can imagine. And um, um, so this might be probably too personal of a question, so we can definitely edit this out if you don't. No, no, go ahead. I'll, I'll answer anything. Have you seen, um, cause you mentioned you had two brothers and I don't want you to like call them out necessarily, but have you seen like that cycle of abuse even continuing on from growing up in that kind of environment? Yeah. Or do you even catch yourself sometimes having like the thoughts that would lead to that, but being able to control yourself? That's a, that's a very, that's a very valid question. Um, so, you, you know, it's interesting because, you know, um, you're talking about repeating cycles of abuse and, um, you know, I didn't, thank God, it's strange, you know, before this guy came into my life, my mother wasn't a, a psychopath in the sense that she wasn't an abusive person psych- physically. She was a narcissist. And she didn't, she wasn't fit to be a parent, you know, and she was, she was an absentee mother, but she wasn't like a physically abusive person. She was just, and she was crazy at the time. I just didn't realize it because I was young, but um, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I, some, some decent morals were instilled in me before this guy came into my life. So fortunately he wasn't the model I grew up with from the very beginning. If he was, I'm sure I would have been doing the same kind of stuff he did to me. But by the time he came to my life, Thankfully, for whatever reason, I had enough smarts or whatever, enough awareness to not want to be like that person. And so I was very conscious, made a very conscious effort to try to not repeat that behavior. And I didn't. However, with PTSD comes bad behavior, like anger, um, cutting people off, all that stuff. And I, I do, I did have those things that I've managed, you know, that was a big that's a big part of having PTSD is all those symptoms, but those symptoms uh, fortunately weren't reflective of, of the abuse that I, that I had, but I think some of the anger issues that are related to PTSD came from the abuse. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I can totally relate. I have struggled with anger issues from, um, you know, PTSD for a very, very long time in my life. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm very grateful that Cole doesn't hold that against me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I, I just, uh, not that you asked for my input on that, but it's just like, how could you fault somebody for their past? Like you, you know, whatever you've experienced, Justine, you know, uh, everything that I would argue that PTSD is never by choice. Well, you know, it's something that happens to you and it's a result of, I mean, it's a result of a traumatic experience, you know? So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a, that's, I don't mean to just sound cliche, but that's just, it's really heavy, man. You know, I can see why you to just make a slight joke. I can see why you requested a smoke break in the middle of it. Um, (laughs) You know, so. uh, Yeah. It's, uh, you know, as as far as, you know, the other damage, something that's like this does is I, I, I'm estranged from my family and I have been for most of my life. I, you know, the the whole family unit was destroyed. Um, And, you know, to this day, my mother's still with this son of a bitch to this day. Yeah, that, man. But, but you know that's that's very that's very common. And but so, so you know it's like, um, yeah, it was you know I look I know people have had much worse, but the bottom line is like when it comes to PTSD, especially complex PTSD, which is a little bit different. But um, uh, like you know a woman can be raped once, or a child can be sexually abused once, and have complex PTSD. It doesn't have to be a, a multiple incident type of abuse. Um, you know. Uh, I happen to have long-term chronic abuse over many years, but if you have one sexual assault in, uh, experience, for instance, um, you can definitely have chronic PTSD or complex PTSD. The same with like um, combat veterans. They can also have co- uh, complex PTSD. So yeah, it's interesting. Definitely. Um, yeah. And then, and then, you know, um, what happened with my website recently, frankly, was uh <laughs> I built something I thought was really good. And I, and I do, I stand by that. I think it was a great website in, in every way. And, and I, you know, I thought the magazine was real solid, uh, but nobody wanted to buy it because of Reddit, basically. I mean, you know, in the one year I was developing this, something that I made a mistake in was I didn't really assess the landscape like I should have. And I made, an, I made a big mistake. And as a result, even though I had something really great that I was trying to sell, Nobody was interested because what they really wanted was mostly free online and people weren't interested in the extra content I was trying to provide. So, you know, I had a, I had a kind of a decision to make this week where I had some money and I was either going to sink it into the business and try to see what I could do or just shut it down and cut my losses. And I decided to cut my losses. So that's what I did. That's tough, man. That's tough. I, I mean, I commend you for what you've done. I, you, I took a look at your website uh, before and after the redesign and uh, the redesign was freaking beautiful man and I just have to say that you know the educate the education section was awesome um, we were watching like the video on on how to dab and that <laughs> I was looking at your guys's terpene catalog and there's like there were write-ups on uh, <clears throat> basic method like basic topics like delivery methods dosage guidelines yeah. Had, uh, introduction to vaping even and even going all the way to like uh advanced topics like decarbing yeah. uh you broke down decarbing and um we even dude you helped us make hash 
for the first time. Like oh, we that, made that some fish. <laughs> yeah, bro. And uh it, it we had so much key flaying around and we didn't realize like just yeah, compress it in a puck, you yeah. know, and freak it's freaking awesome, dude. So uh <laughs> the review section was really thorough and it was standardized. I, I liked that. Um yeah. I mean it, it was, I added it was the, awesome. You could, I just yeah, had to you, commend you for that. Yeah, thanks. I mean the the this search by like terpene flavors and aromas that was something that cost me about five grand just to, i mean that site was twenty five thousand uh, dollars i walked away from a twenty five thousand dollar loss and by the way that was my part of my retirement money <laughs> that's not you know, i still don't have a job guys that was supposed to be my sole income that website that was going to be my future i had to walk away from my future not just a bad business decision i guess and that was really tough because now i'm well, I'm 54, but I might as well be 18 again, because here I am, back to square one. <laughs> yeah, well, I got to say, man, you know, uh, we're just, obviously, we're always uh, here for you. And if, you know, you need a platform, you reach out to us anytime. And, um, like, I've personally seen your following on Twitter, and you have, like, a lot of people that care about you, clearly. And I wanted you to know if you didn't realize that I wanted you to know that. And um, I'm sure whatever you do next, uh, we're all going to be here to support you. I want to just say that. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. It means a lot. I don't, you know, when people do things that are creative, um, I've been around long enough as a writer. Um, you know, I know how people react to, creative things it's it's a combination of people liking it and then people wanting to step on it um so i expected all that stuff but uh it's not going to deter me from whatever i do next you know this this failure was it, it, the worst cliche i can possibly conjure up but it was a learning experience and um you know next time i hope i won't make the, the same mistake but i still want to find a space you know in the industry in the weed industry somehow you know i'm not sure how yeah yeah well you know when we fall down, it's all about getting up, man. And yeah, it, it is what it is. Like you say, it's, there's so many different ways that you can, that you can get into this industry. And unfortunately in Illinois, you know, it's a little locked down because we're like yeah. having a really super controlled market, limited licenses uh, with our high ass population. And, yeah. you know, it's like, gosh, guys, all the jobs are laying right there in front of you, especially with what's going on with the pandemic and stuff, you know, but yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's all it's all tied up. I haven't looked recently, but I had seen that they were going to try somehow to expedite 75 dispensary licenses, which, <laughs> you know, doesn't change much of anything, really. But it would be nice to see more than I think we have just about that currently 75 in the whole state, most of them being up at, up north in Chicago. And, you know, of course, because of the high population in Chicago, but like you just hope that to see them spread out around. But I mean, honestly, when it comes down to it, that's about the same way it is in uh, Colorado. It's like you see some dispensaries here and there in small towns or whatever, but ultimately, if you want to go find some good weed at a cheap price, you go to fucking Denver, Colorado. <laughs> so hopefully, yeah. Chicago turns that way, you know, one of these days. Yeah. I mean, those 75 licenses are supposed to be those social equity licenses. So right. in that, in that case, I mean, I'd love to have craft growers come in because I, I don't like the MSOs. I really don't want to give them my money. 
Well, and on that note, I guess the one thing I did read about that or that I'm recalling, uh, check me on this, guys. I'm going to keep saying that when I say things, I'm just high. And so you got to check me on it. But I (laughs) recall reading that uh, the 75 licenses that are going to be awarded, they're taking veterans points out of there. And we've had conversations with uh, Mike Fouché from GrownIn.com about the fact that I mean, why were those why were those points in there anyway? And look, I'm going to be clear. We have nothing against the people in, you know, that are serving for our country. Um, But like uh, and they could have had their own lottery, arguably, if you want to if you want to say that veterans deserve their place in the cannabis industry because of it's whatever you want to say. Sure. But this was the social equity lottery. And most you would. Most people are arguing, and I tend to agree with this argument that, uh, you know, people that are social equity candidates typically are not veterans because they've been disenfranchised from the system, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, you know? no, you're right. But I would agree. Yeah. yeah. I would agree. Yeah. So, <clears throat> well, just to, uh, you know, why don't we uh, smoke some weed, man? Let's let's get it nice and loose. Uh, good. What are you What are you smoking on today, man? I'm smoking some gti bud and it is called oh actually um, banana uh, cookies banana cookies yeah what are you guys doing what are you smoking we are smoking some han solo burger currently we're still making our way through this joint and then we're going to be switching over to uh some of our homegrown critical kush because we just we still have a lot of that left over and we're about to harvest more and so it's a good problem to have, right? But uh, yeah, you know, you got to get I just, through it. <laughs> I just, I just, my my wife just, I finally wore her down. <laughs> she, she said I could grow in the apartment, so I just spent a thousand dollars on the whole setup. Hey, there you go. That's what I did. Oh. I put, a, put about a thousand dollars in it, and it yeah. was. I honestly, man, I, I I'm proud that you did this because this is one of the things that I had written down that I wanted because I knew we were going to be having a conversation about mental health and personally for my mental health growing has been a really great thing for me i mean it's something else you care for and not only that you have love for the product you said you've been oh, yeah. smoking you know back back in your heyday or whatever okay. but uh Smoke uh yeah you know it's it's so fulfilling so you know do i i was sending you that wi-fi monitor the other night on twitter reach out if you need any other suggestions man i uh, oh yeah no i, I did ca- oh by the way i've got some pretty damn good seeds if you ever want any Oh, for sure, man. Just let for me sure. know. I'll send you. Yeah, we'll, talk, we'll talk They're about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about that for sure. Um, thank you, by the way. But yeah, if you, uh, you know, any other, like anything that comes up, man, it's not, I'm not saying that I know the answer to anything. <laughs> by God, I do not. Uh, but uh, I've been through it three times. I've had oh. great crops, cool. you know, all three times. And I personally, like, uh, I know somebody who's been through it way more times. And so if, uh, right. if I don't know the question, somebody will for just to keep it vague. And, yeah, um, yeah. you know, the other thing I will say, just wanted to throw it out there. This is a website that's been functioning for quite a long time. And I try to plug it when I can. Uh, GrowWeedEasy.com. It sounds is that, like. Is, is that one worth looking at? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Take a look at that. Honestly, man, you'll yeah, probably. I, I've been looking for like one site that would be really good. Don't tell your wife that I told you about that site because you're she's gonna be mad at me personally because you're gonna be on there all the time reading about different <laughs> methods and everything, dude. It's a really good website and it's I'll write that down right now. Yeah. What was it again, Paul? Uh growweedeasy.com. And people I, I laugh at me. That. 
Yeah. People laugh at me when I say that they're like, that sounds like such a cheesy website, but you'd be surprised. So many uh, people use it and they've got guides on uh, a lot of different methods, you know, so you just, you can, and, and even, uh, you know, recommendations on products to buy and, um, you know, uh, are you guys doing water? Are you doing soil, Cole? Yes, we're doing soil. Uh, I'm thinking about trying cocoa in the future um, because I'm starting to get pretty pretty confident with with nutrients and reading leaves and stuff. Um, but I'm just in, I'm just a little intimidated by uh, cocoa, honestly. Just yeah. And the other thing is, I haven't. Um, we've got like an RO dispenser uh, nearby. By that I mean reverse osmosis. I, I prefer to use that water just because. I mean, I know how um our water comes out and everything and generally what's in it and i know how to treat it but it's just so much easier man to just get some ro water and then all you got to do is add um some cal mag to it and it's you know make sure the ph is right and uh instead of worrying about like parts per million and all that fucking shit like i I don't i just want to worry about pouring it into the thing um adding my cal mag making sure the pH is right and adding nutrients if needed. You know what I mean? Just keep yeah, it simple. And, and, I, and you know what? I have to learn about that. I don't even know that those basic, I know what you're talking about, but I still don't understand what I need to do. You know what I mean? Like, Hey uh, man, you got my line. I'll, you, you can call me and, and I love talking about this shit. So, oh, really? Okay. But, but yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, but, but in any case, in any case, um, you know, grow weed easy has definitely has some methodologies. What you will find um, you know, and I, I'm completely honest about this. Everybody has their own way, you know, yeah, and yeah. some people swear by certain methods. Yeah. I just try to keep it simple and I'm yeah. open-minded, you know, when people sure. say like, like one thing I heard recently was like on the last night, you know, before you're going to cro- uh, harvest, some people turn their lights off for a 48 hour period before they cut their plants. I've heard and, that. Yeah. And the hypothesis, I think, was that, or, or the reasoning behind, I don't know, hypo, I guess hypothesis is also true, but the reasoning behind doing it or why people do it is uh, to like increase trichome production or something. Like, I, I don't know. Like I say, I don't know if it's proven or not, but I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it, you know, yeah, and see. Yeah, yeah, why not? Exactly. And see how it comes out. And um, so, yeah, but right now I'm doing soil. One of the reasons I do soil is because I feel like it's a little bit forgiving in the sense that, so, you know, starting a seed was, was a tough thing for me. So if you end up having trouble with that, I ended up kind of more or less figuring out a system that works for me. Everybody has their own system too on, you know, so keep that in mind, but uh, you know, be definitely able to give those pointers. But I just feel like when you get this, the seed into the soil, um, I use Fox farm ocean forest soil. That's what and, I was going to use. I was going to try Yeah, that. it's great soil, man. It's really great soil because when you put it in there as a seedling, it's got enough nutrients to get it through like a month really? of vegetation. Yeah. And so, but, but, you know, just keep an eye on it, like yeah. three weeks in or whatever, you know, keep an eye on the leaves. And if it starts showing signs of uh, needing some nutrients, um, I also have a nutrient schedule. I can send you and some recommendations on nutrients, uh, that let would be write, helpful. Yeah. Let me write that down one second. Well, that would be awesome. Um, newts and schedule. 
I have a, I'll get that to you. You know, I have some experience growing vegetables and like I used to make my own soil mixes for certain vegetables. So I imagine like maybe at some point as I get down further down the road, I could see myself making maybe my own soil mixture, you know? Yeah, dude, that's something I want to learn because I, you know, I've heard some people are right. Yeah. For, I'm not, I'm not going to act like I'm versed in it, but I've heard that some people are able to like reuse soil for example, like that's another weird things. thing. Yeah. 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 So like, uh, but I, I want to learn, I want to try to, you know, re reuse, reduce, recycle the whole thing. So, yeah. uh, but yeah, um, you can get about like a month in and then start calling, it'll start calling for nutrients. But even then, like the thing about cocoa that intimidates me is that, like I said, it requires a lot of water. So I'll be running to the RO dispenser all the time. Oh, and yeah. you know, it takes a while to dispense water sometimes. And then, it's because it needs a lot of water, like because of the fact that it is a hydroponic medium, let me just get technical. Uh, it, it absorbs all that water really quickly. And therefore though, from what I understand, the plant reacts pretty quickly. And I may be a little bit off base again. I'm not, I'm not an expert. These are, these are, I keep coveting this just because not for you, but mostly for our listeners. Cause (laughs) sometimes I say things and I sound like, like I can make it sound all official and then, or at least I think I might sound like an idiot. But, um, uh, anyways, you can your plant will dis- display signs quicker. So like if you have a nutrient deficiency, like that's going to show up quicker in cocoa because like it's not in um, soil where like maybe some left, I guess yeah. maybe leftover newts would be in the soil. I might be totally off base on that too. But uh, I think the idea is you're saying is that there's a quicker uptake with the with yeah the quicker water, uptake right? and therefore like you can, you can see, see the reaction. Quicker, yeah. And, and that scares me in the sense that I feel like I'm going to fuck it up and I'm just going to keep fucking it up. Ah. And with soil, like what I'm able to do is like, if I start noticing something, I'm like, Oh my God. Cause I'm in the room, you know, multiple times, <laughs> you know, a week, every morning and night, and maybe in the, uh, maybe at lunchtime to sing into them or whatever, but I'm just joking. Uh, you know, and so I, I have an idea of what they're, what they're supposed to look like, at least, you know, a good dark green. And if they start showing any like weird colors, like I'm on it, I'm researching like, what it is. Grow Eat Easy has a lot of pictures of different nutrient deficiencies. So that's a good thing to keep in mind. Um, so you can like figure out kind of, kind of match on, on their website. Like ah, that, that kind of does look like what's going on and you can try what they suggest in it. And it yeah. may not always work, but it may. And, and in, in cases for me, it has. Um, which, you know, fingers crossed that keeps on going, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I I just like soil because uh, it takes longer to, to display those signs. So you can, therefore you can catch them early. If you're, Mm -hmm. if you're always checking them every day, which is like, you know, maybe not feasible for everybody. That's the other thing though, about soils, you can water it once and it'll be fine for three days. You don't really have to with soil, uh, check it every day. I just baby the shit out of my plants. <laughs> yeah. I'll so. be checking them every day. Cause you know, I'm here most of the day anyway. <laughs> sure. so, yeah. I'm excited for you, man. I'm really excited for you if you can't tell. And I'm excited to like offer what I can to help again. I'm not making any promises that you're going to be growing fucking Mark's dank buds, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the hope. Well, that's the hope that I hit you yeah. gr- help you hit the ground running, man. So yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get this stuff for like another five or six days, but I can't wait to send it. Do you mind asking, or do you mind me asking just, I guess this is kind of interesting to me. Justine uh, may not find it interesting. What did you, what did you get? Like, what have you got? I'll tell you what I got. I got, 
Hang on one second. I'll tell you exactly what I got. No problem. You said you were smoking on GTI though. I don't mean to make you walk and chew bubble gum, but GTI, yeah. Uh, what has been your? Can I ask you? And this is a hard question, I'm sure, but like, what is your favorite strain you've ever tried in the Illinois market? Uh, and it, 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 I think you honestly, prefer flower, correct? Is that correct? Yeah, I like a lot of extract too. Oh, you do? Okay. I do a give lot. Me, of- give me your cho- choices for both. Then, sorry to. Well, um, hmm. You know, the, the, the best smoke I've had in Illinois that's been legal has been, believe it or not, I hate to say this because it, it, it's Cresco, but but this was a, it was one batch of something they pushed out and they never grew it again. You've heard of Reserva Pravada strain, uh, yeah. um, bred by Reserva Pravada, the seed breeders. Um, Cresco pushed out a phenotype of that in 20. 20- 16 that was this weird it almost looked like shit weed it was like it was really small popcorn like buds but they were dense and so sticky it was unbelievable and that was that bud was so damn good it was unbelievable and then the next time they pushed out reserva provada it was a totally different phenotype and i asked him well how come you guys didn't keep growing that other stuff and he goes uh, it was too hard to grow huh yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not a big Cresco fan at all, but that, that, that I'll never forget that, but it was incredible. It really was. Yeah. I was going to say when you said that um, they weren't growing it anymore. And then you said Reserva Pravada, I was like, we had Reserva Pravada in the dispensary when I was there. It was just sold as their premium reserve line that was $70 an eighth on medical side. So it was yes. not, not very popular. <laughs> and that wasn't the, that wasn't the cut that I'm referring to. That was the, the second cut that they decided to keep selling. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was, it was, and my favorite dab, um, uh, I really like, I mean, I really like revolutions, uh, blueberry Clementine. I've heard good things about that. That one's really unbelievable. Yeah. Just Justine, what do you, uh, while he's pulling up his materials, what's your, I think your favorite flower strain is orange harawana, mm-hmm. as is I, and that's a really rhythm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I've never had that one, man. It's when, uh, so it's made by GTI, and it is like a CBD to THC blend, but it's heavier on the THC, and it's just like incredible for pain relief and and it, it smells like oranges it smells exactly like fresh oranges mm. and it tastes incredible it's just yeah we try to buy it every time we see that it's back i have yep. to buy some now yeah it's about next time the, i see it i'll get some it's about the only reason i go to the dispensary these days <laughs> besides like concentrate yeah. Um, if I'm in a pinch or whatever, it's the only um, flower we'll buy. Yeah. I'm like it. Cause it's not, it's not okay. So it's not like we've not gotten like a bad appearing batch, but it still smelled and smoked good, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm not one to, to yeah. complain. I mean, I definitely, if I'm paying 60 bucks for an eighth that I can't even see inside, I'll be damned if it looks like shit, but this is what it is. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Yeah. It sucks. Don't you, don't you hate that about this market, man? That you yeah, can't, I can't see your it. product and you got to pay like a premium price. It's like, yeah. you can at least guarantee I get a premium product, right? Yeah, no, I agree. I can't stand the fact that you can't see the product beforehand. Yeah. Here's what I got. Cool. I got a, a gorilla tent, a two by four. Hey, <laughs> That's I, got, 
I got uh, the the horticulture L, the HLG 350R light LED. Ooh. That's a powerful nice. one. Uh, and a vortex filter. Um, because I need a really good carbon filter. And I was gonna uh, ask, yeah. And then, uh, and then you know, and then I got like a trellis, and I got the speed control, and I got um, an inline fan. I think I got, I can't remember what the brand of that was um, off the top of my head right now. Um, and uh, and then a little, and then I got everything else. I got all the the ties and and the the um, oh the vent the vent the duck the ducking and the clamps and all that stuff. Yeah. Nice, nice. Um... But you know what, Cole? What what besides a humidity temperature meter? What's another meter? Do I do I need I need a pH meter? Don't I? Correct. Yeah, and I can uh, I can. There's a pretty cheap one that I've been using, and it comes with uh, some calibration powder. So that I mean, I'm pretty sure it comes calibrated because I used I I bought one and used it for the first uh, you know year or so. I guess I was I guess it was like six eight months or so. And I never really calibrated and never really had any problems. Um, but then I started to wonder because like it's, you know, it was only like 10 bucks. And so I bought another one and it was significantly off. And just to prove it, I calibrated the new one. And and yeah, the other one was was off. But I, I wasn't having any problems, oddly enough, uh, any significant problems. But but I have been seeing some much deeper greens as a result uh so i can get i can send you um let me write this down to a ph meter uh that i'll send you it's just on uh amazon and it's like i say 10 bucks comes with some calibration powder uh which is nice because i mean for safety safe for peace of mind i'm high um you might calibrate it right out of the box just so just so you know just to be safe um, and that powder, if you take a picture of the labels, they sell more of that on their website and stuff. So you can get it, it, you can get more calibration powder so that you can ensure to keep that thing calibrated and uh, you can keep it calibrated pretty down to uh, down to a pretty specific level if you want to. And okay. it's, it's pretty nice. Um, you could also go crazy, but I would start, you know, with something that's something cheap. And, yeah. and I mean, a lot of people use it. It works. So Sounds good. Um, yeah, I wrote that down. So what else you got, man? You got that gorilla tent. That's awesome. We have uh, a gorilla tent. Um, it, it's amazing. You so, like the gorilla tent? Oh, yeah. The thing is, we've got a couple other uh, tents too, you know, and on all the other tents, you have to be very, very careful with the zipper. Like, um, you mm-hmm. know, and the thing is, when you, especially when you first get it, dude, you're going to be in that fucking thing all the time because you won't be able to help yourself. It's exciting. Um, you know what I mean? And also yeah, because you yeah, care yeah. about your plants. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you care about your plants, but I just want to be candid. Like I was in that motherfucker all the time because I was so excited. Right. <laughs> um, but th- think about that. The zipper is arguably one of the most important components of the tent other than it, like not letting light in, you know what I mean? During dark yeah. periods. Um, and, and I mean, it, it's the most used part. And so the zipper quality I know it sounds like a weird thing, but if you ever see any other tent, man, take a look at the zipper. Uh, there's a huge difference on uh, with the Gorilla Grow Tents uh, quality on the zipper. Um, and also just the material itself just feels really, really thick, you know. And I've personally gotten inside of it to do light checks, and, and I've not seen any holes. So 
oh, cool. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I got that because of just reading, reading and doing a little research. It looked like their tents had the, the best zippers and the least amount of light leakage. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, not to be like a nationalist or anything, but that's USA. It made in the USA. Oh, okay. You know, so <laughs> um, I'm just being stupid. Uh, so, but it's made in California, so that's even cooler, in my okay. opinion. It's not yeah. made in some like bumfuck state or something no offense to bumfuck states um, <laughs> you know this might be one <laughs> hey you know well, yeah there's let me tell you let me tell you there's a significant portion of the state up yeah anyways though um <laughs> we don't need to throw our listeners under the bus <laughs> i'm just joking okay so we're about to spark up some uh critical kush i'm gonna do a bong <clears throat> do you put ice in your bongs no, once in a while. <laughs> All right, folks. <laughs> Smoking on that critical Kush OG. How's your, how was that bong rip you took, man? It sounded like you were feeling it. Well, you know, when you're 54, every bong hits a life and death situation. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. <laughs> oh, that's... So, Mark, <clears throat> um, just to kind of, I don't mean to... <clears throat> excuse me um just got about taken out by my own stuff hey i grew you take it easy um you know uh so can i take you back like was it hard to to start going to therapy i guess just to be right to the point yeah no it was it was it was a struggle i mean i was in denial from the age of uh oh probably my early 20s up and through um the age of 50 50 years old. Um, and I didn't want to go to therapy because that would be, that would get me close. That would be admitting that I, that they fucked me up really bad. And that because of them, I have to go to therapy. <clears throat> and um, so for me, that was the motivation for not wanting to go to therapy is just simply not wanting to admit what they did to me, um, screwed me up to the point where I needed to have therapy. Um, so that was the hardest part. You know, that's why I had so much trouble going denial. Sure. Sure. And then when you start going, I mean, uh, is there like thoughts of like, am I real? you know, like, did I give in? Did, do you, did you have like second thoughts? Was it tough at first? Oh yeah. Like, Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. You know, when I first went the first few sessions, of course I'm very, I mean, look, I don't, I don't trust people. That's just part of my makeup. Um, sure. because of, because of my background well, and, and be, yeah. And because, and because honestly, I just don't think, um, just, just look around and the world around you. And I just think that, um, it's, it's hard to trust people anyway, even if you don't have any mental health problems. <laughs> oh yeah. Tell me about it. So, yeah. So for me, um, saying intimate things about my past to some, some stranger was very difficult and it took a long time. And it was a matter of him this my therapist building trust with me to the point where I could trust him enough to start saying the things I needed to say. Um, yeah, so it, the first six months, I didn't say much of anything. Um, and yes, I, I there were times when I said, fuck this, I'm not going to go. I can't do it. I'm not going to do this. This is bullshit. And I went back and forth. It was a, it was a battle. Every, every two weeks when I went, it was a battle. Do I want to do this again? Fuck this. And once I started it, it, therapy for me, it's like, I think for most people, therapy, it's like, um, it, it happens very slowly and it's weird. It's a weird experience because it takes a long time, but 
so much happens and you don't realize it only until you look back and then you realize, wow, I've come a long way. But when you're in it, it's, it, it's, it seems like a very slow process, you know? Sure. Well, and I mean, it, it, I would imagine that it is because, uh, you know, like you describe it, I've personally only been to a few therapy sessions and at the time it was because this is fucked up, you know, and this is kind of why I asked my question earlier about when you started having the problem, your GI problems and had to quit work and stuff. And it's like the system isn't equipped for us being humans. (laughs) And it's like, you know, it's like, what are we cyborgs? Like, can we not make mistakes sometimes? Can we not? It's not even that we make mistakes. You you didn't make a mistake. Like you uh, just to be uh, like, I don't mean to like define your past, but you, you had a fucked up past, you know? And uh, like that's not your fault, you know, but uh, it seems like the system's not equipped to deal with that as if like, we're all perfect. We're all these, we all hold these, we all hold truths to be self-evident. Like you don't do certain things to people, you know what I mean? And I, uh, like I was saying, I only went to therapy like six sessions and I feel like I really started hitting my stride right at the end. You know, I really, cause the first fucking three and the, the only reason i only went to six sessions that's all we could get i i wasn't like i it's not like i wasn't well off i live i've i'm privileged like i said i'm very privileged i'm a white male you know i'm very privileged i'm very like my parents have provided for me in a way that i could never really repay them but i'm not saying that we were like we're not rags of the riches like we it's not like we're fucking right anyways um you know, uh, we couldn't afford it. And so the system wasn't even equipped. Uh, I can't imagine for people that don't have the, you know, I was like, what I'm saying is I, I was, wasn't rich as fuck, but I had like, you know, this amount of privilege and this amount of access, but only a certain amount. And I can't imagine people below me that had arguably maybe no access. And like I say, I only really started to open up at the end and really started to heal and hit my stride and then I couldn't go anymore because it costs money yeah I mean I mean I I I I couldn't have afforded therapy I mean when I was in my 20s I was I couldn't afford anything I couldn't afford health insurance or anything so yeah I I understand what that's all about and uh we we don't have our medical our medical um infrastructure I mean our system of medicine in America is um it's only, it doesn't consider the mind. Um, and when you go see a primary care physician or a specialist, they, they never rarely talk to you about psychological issues or they don't even, it seems like they don't even really want to really focus on that or care about that in any way whatsoever. It's not really their problem. And um, that's the problem right there. And yeah. Uh, and yeah. not, I don't mean to cut you off. No, no, go like, ahead. That, like uh, they, you know, you go to a doctor and it's like, I don't know about you, but like, even, even in this coronavirus thing, I feel like there's not been a, a big impetus. Is that a word? Emphasis yeah. Impetus. maybe is a better, uh, yeah. It seems like there's not been like, you know, they're not stressing enough how important it is to eat healthy, you know, be healthy. Like the thing is like, yeah. whatever this is, whatever COVID is like, it takes out, like it seems to take out older people and people that are obese and those like, yep. Those are signs and, you know, other health complications. But again, it's all about being healthy. And it seems like we're all talking and I agree we should wear a mask and all that stuff. Um, But it seems like we should also be like 
talking about like, you know, drinking water, eating fruits and vegetables, uh, you know, not, and I'm one to talk. I eat a fucking pizza just about every day, but um, you know, uh, there's no, it seems like there's, and even when you go to the doctor, like you'd think when they, when you say, I'm not feeling well, instead of just giving you antibiotics or whatever else, they ask you like, hey, how much, how many times do you exercise a week? How, what do you eat? What, yeah. what is your mental health like? Like you said, Mark. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, they, they, you know? the thing is, yeah, it, it, you know, look at my situation. What made me sick? Uh, you know, this, what, what's called somatization. In other words, um, a psychological problem caused real physical health problems. And it was because right. of psychology, not because I was having a physical problem. And so, why did I struggle and go in and out of the system many, many times? Because they wouldn't focus on that. Right. Okay. No acknowledgement of it. I mean, did you, can I ask, did they try to throw a lot of drugs your way? Like, Oh yeah. I, 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 I didn't take most of them, but yeah, they definitely did. And, um, but when it came to, uh, when it came to, Hey, this could be a psychological problem, not a physical problem. <clears throat> they didn't want to deal with that and they didn't even acknowledge it. And it was just, you know, it was a real struggle. <clears throat> you know? Sure for them to make that connection that it wasn't uh, because they, because doctors don't default to, Hey, it could be a problem in your mind, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure um, through medical school, there's so much focus on your specialty that, yep. that you're going into as a doctor that they don't tell you to also check in on your patient's mental health. And I think that that should be a conversation that every doctor is having when they have somebody come in, just sit down and, um, you know, just a quick little one-on-one, -on -one, like, how are you doing lately? How are you feeling? Are you taking care of yourself or, you know, and um, yeah, I think that'd build a lot of trust with your doctor as well. Yeah, I do too. Yep. And it doesn't really happen that often. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, you know, but honestly, I, I can tell you that when I was in my 20s, I would say, I would say things like, and, and, I, and I'll be completely honest about this. There's been times I remember in my 20s when I would say things like, oh, come on, you're going to be depressed to the point where you can't work. Snap out of it. You know, yeah. I mean, this was back when I was in my 20s and I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. And but that's I remember saying that and because. My sister, you know, like as you, my, my mother had a baby with this monster and my and becoming my half sister. And she she had the worst, you know, problems psychologically. And. Uh, oh, God, I lost my train of thought. But, um, yes, you know, she uh, she she struggled a lot. And um, I forgot what the connection I was trying to make. Guys, sorry about that. No, it's OK. It's OK. Not much um, Justine, do you remember what he was like? Any. <laughs> I can't it's. Okay. Um, I guess so I, I've yeah. got, I've got, I was just going to ask, you know, it's a thought that came up for me and, and I'm not asking for like, you know, a direct epiphany or anything, uh, or direct epiphany or anything, but you know, like when, when did you feel, I feel like this might help listeners, you know, and I saw yeah. that you tweeted out, you know, like, Hey, you know, if you have these problems, like listen to this. So I want to try to been trying yeah. to really rack my brain on things like to try to, and in my experience, which is limited, um, but to try to help people maybe reach, um, you know, where we've maybe where we've reached or even greater faster, you know, like I'm trying to help them get, hit the ground oh, yeah. running. And so my question is, um, and again, you don't have to be like specific or whatever, but like, when did you feel you hit, hit your stride in therapy? Um, 
like when did you like feel like you like you're like you opened up you felt relief from opening up maybe like some you started like feeling like some things were maybe even like i don't know you there's kind of like a a little bit of a lift i don't know if you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. um and where when did you feel that you know like i said i felt it kind of in the third just because i was like yeah for me might as well but yeah you know for me um well there's you know there's ptsd and then there's complex ptsd and and some people like to make the difference split the difference or whatever but um one of the things with complex ptsd that you'll experience is called ruminations where you're constantly you have these downward, these, these thoughts, one thought leads to the next, leads to the next. And it starts out with something negative and it just goes downhill from there. And it can be rehashing a, a past experience or anything. And, um, you know, the therapy helped a lot, but frankly, um, my first positive experience mentally was the antidepressant that I started taking. <laughs> okay. And, and, and here's the thing. Um, I did never wanted to take a pill ever. I, I refused to do it. And it was only after I was in therapy for about six months that I decided I would go ahead and take a very low dose of an antidepressant. And when I, when it started to help me, it was like one day after about a week and a half of taking this pill, all of those things that I struggled with in my head, like ruminations and anxiety I mean, I was having anxiety attacks so bad that I've been through three or four different full heart workups because I thought I was having heart attacks, you know? Um, so I was, all that stuff went away, just gone, all of it, all of it went away. And so for people out there that say, I don't want to take an antidepressant, I say, I get it. But if you can start out with a low dose and try it, no harm, and it might improve dramatically some of the immediate symptoms that are bothering you most and then the rest of the stuff, I was able to better work out in therapy because I had that help of the antidepressant. And, you know, for me, it, it, and, and by the way, when I smoke weed, it seems to help even more with my antidepressant. So, you know, I, I was very scared to try a pill. I was very um, angry and scared to go through trauma therapy. And it's been a long journey, but um, so the pill gave me that immediate relief of the, the, the lack of ruminating in my head, the anxiety, the panic attacks, all that stuff went away. And then about six months in cold, probably about a year in, because my, I'm a pretty difficult case about a year in, I started to experience some real progress. Nice. That's see, And I, and I brought that up. Cause like you say, you know, depending on the situation, it can take some time. You know, I was able to kind of get some relief and yeah. three, you know, and that's another testament to where like, it's not like I had that. I didn't have remotely close, like I'm in another fucking atmosphere to, to your upbringing. And, you know, so what I had to work out was just me being a fucking shithead, you know, I, it was <laughs> stuff like that, you know, and well, just mean, be I, humbled, yeah. you know, and yeah, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I just bring that up because it, it, the timeline's different for everybody. It is. Know? It really is. And, uh, it's, you know, my, a good analogy, you guys, for to me anyway, I mean, again, I'm not a professional, but for me, my personal experience, I find a good analogy is like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like, um, <clears throat> um, uh, oh, shit. 
that's what happens when you smoke. That's what happens when you smoke pot, right? Jesus Christ. But it's, yeah, it's a slow, it's like, oh, it was, it's like being a drug addict. Only until you're hit bottom are you really ready. And I think only when you're, you'll know when you, when it's time for you to go to therapy, because you just, you get to the point where you just need the help. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, the analogy I use and I always fucking butcher it, but I'm going to try it is, uh, you know, like Mark, if you got into a cruise, like, let's say we had two cruise ships at the docks. So they're big fucking ships, huge, huge boats, right? You've seen cruise ships. Oh yeah. So big motherfuckers. We, we each get one to ourselves. We have our own, we, we have our own personal captain. He's like, all right, y'all we're heading East. I don't know why we're heading east, but just for the analogy, let's go. And so we're going out on these big ass boats and every morning. So we're, we're driving close enough to where, you know, you're on your own boat. I'm on my boat. I go out to my little like helipad and I, the pool and shit. And I can see you over at your pool. I'm like, Hey Mark, how's it going? You're like, Oh good, man. This is fucking chill. Got my dank ass weed, you know, fucking great. And, uh, we're having a great time. Weather's great. Um, but then, you know, I don't know. I just kind of get tired of seeing you every morning. You know, your pool's a little bit bigger than mine. And I don't know. You uh, got better weed than me. I can smell it. I can yeah. smell it. And it's like just starting to get to me. So I talked to my captain. I'm like, hey, man, I don't want him to notice or anything. But <laughs> uh, can you like turn this motherfucker three degrees to the left, five degrees to the left, something like that? You know, nothing, nothing radical. And so every morning we'd still keep coming out and I'd still be like, Hey Mark, how's it going? How's it going? Yeah. Great. You know, smoking on this awesome weed. Yeah. Fuck you, Mark. You know, and I don't say that. Right. But, uh, this pool. <laughs> yeah. Look, look at this. Look how big my pool is, man. Why didn't they hook you up with this? But uh, you know, a month later, cause our, you know, the ocean's big and we're not moving very fast. A month later you come out and you realize like, Holy shit. He's like 10 feet away from me. And it's, and I only turned five degrees and it took quite a while. Cause it's a big fucking ship. And the, the, the lame analogy is that like the little, like the little things add small up, changes. small changes, snowball. And like, you know, you might feel like you've not made a lot of progress, but if you, if you're trying to turn that motherfucker and I, I put all the, all those analogies and the, all that little storyline was just to make you guys laugh. But if you're trying to like turn your life in a certain direction, just Keep trying to turn it and try things and like it may not feel like you've moved ultimately like like immediately right um it may not you may not notice it immediately but one of those days you're gonna walk out and you'll be like that fucking asshole with the dank weed over there is you know 15 feet away i'm happier um blah 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 you know I, the lame analogy is that yeah small change adds up so forgive me for for being cheesy guys i'm high i tried <laughs> well that's great though that's what it was for me though it took a long time it's still i'm still going to be going i know i'll probably i'll probably for me personally i'll probably go to therapy for the rest of my life um yeah. not as frequently as i am now but you know and that's just me i mean for other people they just need to uh address something in their lives temporary you know and then and not need it you know yeah, all yeah. i i know that it's therapy is it's nice that telemedicine is an option now i have to say because yeah. that was a scary thing for um you know a scary thought that came up for me you know people that do need mental health like you can't cut off that connection like there's got to be some sort of thing you can do and telemedicine that's like you know it may not feel exactly the same and stuff but 
especially if you can continue those relationships. Um, that's really awesome. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm still doing the, I still do the therapy sessions now over the phone, you know, and I could do them by zoom if I wanted to, but, uh, sure. But I'm glad that I can still do that. It definitely, it's definitely needed. I mean, it's definitely, yeah, definitely something I'm glad I can still continue during this nightmare. Yeah. So, God. so to make a segue, I guess I, you brought up uh, before the show, maybe that you wanted to talk about policing just kind of as a general topic. Oh, well, you know, one, you know, <clears throat> um, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a white, I grew up a white kid and uh, I lived with a guy who was an extreme, he was a racist, but he was also a cop and he was a racist and he was a cop. And as a white kid, most white kids don't grow up with that inside view of what a police officer's like um, besides what you see on the television. And so I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that when all this stuff was happening with Trump in, in 2015 and, and I could see the writing on the wall, you know, I've always been, um, because of what happened to me, I've always been a big, I've always been kind of obsessed with fascism and authoritarianism and because the way I understood it as a young kid, um, uh, what happened to me in my house was kind of a form of, of, of brutal fascism. And I wanted to understand how a, a person can take over the psychology of, of a group of people, just like what happened to me as a kid. And so when I was in college, I studied as a minor, I studied uh, you know the history of fascism in the 20th century and all that stuff. And I became very uh, kind of obsessed with what motivates these different monsters throughout history to, to do these things. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's just, uh, uh, so when all this stuff started happening with the police, it didn't surprise me because I understood that that's what the police were like from the inside as a white kid. And so, uh, you know, I was the nigger lover in, in high school and junior high school. I was the, I was the white kid nigger lover. If somebody said the word nigger, I'd tell them to fuck off. And then they'd call me nigger lover for the rest of my <laughs> high school career. Um, that Those are the kind of people I grew up around in some redneck town in upstate New York. So I've always understood deep-seated racism in, in our white society. I've always understood that most people in America who are white are racist on some level. Uh, not all, but most. And I, I'll stand by that forever. I, I think what we've seen in the past four years kind of ver verifies that, that hy hypothesis. Um, and so... Uh, you know, when you got 75 million people voting for a fascist who's a racist, who really the whole thing was driven by racism, all of it. Um, and then I see these cops doing this stuff. You know, I never saw or met a cop who wasn't a racist. I mean, a really bad racist. Um, so, so yeah, that's, I guess that's where I wanted to mention policing and racism. Like no black guy has to convince me of anything that happened to them at the hands of a police officer. Trust me, I believe every word of it every single time. So I guess that's where my background as a kid connects to what I see happening today is just this, this need uh, for certain personality types to, to behave a certain way. And, and police, I believe, and I've always believed this since I was a teenager, that police is a white supremacist organization. That's just what I believe, you know? Um, so that's, so that's why there's a connection there with me when it comes to what happened to me as a kid and racism and how I treat people of color as an adult. I mean, interestingly enough, when that, when that abusive guy came into my life, my best friend happened to be a black kid. And uh, that black kid didn't come around anymore after that guy started living in my house, you know? 
because um, he knew, he understood. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah, that's that's heavy in and of itself. I mean, and it, I like I am not saying this to be like to stand to stand up for police at all. Uh, it's actually it may reaffirm reaffirm what you're saying because I'm white. <laughs> I've always had a very pleasant experience with law enforcement, but I can't imagine I've seen and I've been, I know people that haven't like it, like the things that they have told me that have been said for something that's super simple. Like, you know, it's like, wow, wow. Like, like it's, it's, un, it's almost, it's unbelievable. But then, you know, it, it's believable when you see the videos though, of, of the things that they're willing to do when the cameras are rolling. Um, you know, so that's uh, a tight knit way of saying like, you know, I um, that's another way of saying I'm privileged. I mean, just to, to just sh show you like somebody else's experience I'm aware of just another like this white girl. She got pulled over and uh, she had weed on her and she was like really, you know, tweaked out. And so she the I guess the dude wasn't even going to say anything. And he was just like she was just like ah, she's like freaking out, you know, and she's like, I have weed on me. And he's like, oh, honey, like you wouldn't have said and he literally told her to well i got you got to throw it into the ditch and so he just let her throw it into the ditch on the side of the interstate and drive away and so like you know uh i'm not say, again i'm not saying that stand up for cops i'm maybe reaffirming what you're saying like yeah. that's why i give you these details white 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 <laughs> you know and driving away yeah i mean, I mean driving listen, away um Here's a, here's a fun little story. Uh, one time, um, my abuser um, let my let let my half sister, who was uh, like two or she's probably three years old, three or four years old at the time. It was a weekend, and I, she was inside his police car, and she was sitting in the front seat playing around with the steering wheel, and she knocked the horn cover off of the off of the steering wheel, and a, a bunch of condoms and a few thousand dollars fell out. Oh my goodness! So you know what I did. I took that money and I took those condoms and I put them in her hand and I said, go and show mommy. <laughs> and those were the, and I mean, I could tell you really brutal stuff. This guy was a, and everybody, every single cop that he worked with was the same. You know, everybody in the community thought my mother was the best thing since sliced fucking bread, but she was a psychopath. She was a horrible monster, but, 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 you know, you never know who you're dealing with out there in the public. They're different. There's a Jekyll and Hyde. There's a lot of people who are Jekyll and Hyde's in the world and they, they project something in the public and then behind the scenes, they're fucking totally different. Right. And um, so when you see a police officer, you know, smiling at leave it to beaver on the end of the fucking corner, that's not probably who that person is. Now it's easy for people to jump to conclusions and say, Oh, Mark, you were abused by a police. So therefore that's what you're going to say about police. Well, I could tell you a million other stories that have nothing to do with my abuser. Um, well, yeah just to just you know maybe spoil a, a future episode we're actually going to be having a law enforcement officer on the show and he's going to basically reaffirm like i was talking to him and i i told him this thing that i think i may have voiced on the podcast in the past like i like the idea of being a good cop you know and mm -hmm. he he killed my dream but let me explain what i mean by that before sure. I, you know uh he's i, I want to be like the cop that like you know when i pull you over because you're going 70 in the in the country I'm not like, I'm not like fucking throwing you out of the car and all this stuff. I'm like, yo, dude, what the fuck is going on? And like, you know, not like, not like, yeah, like, like I'd be like, Hey, what's going on? You know, like, why are you going so fast? And if you're in a rush, you know, or whatever, I'll just be like, but dude, you could blow a fucking flat here and, and die. Like, this is why I'm pulling you over. And 
you, like I just feel like every time I've ever gotten pulled over, like I've always had a good experience of dro- driven away, but I've also driven away with plenty of tickets because I've got a lead foot. And so, um, you know, uh, like I feel like though, what's always lacking in those conversations is like why you're pulling me over. It's like, you're always fucking stealing money from me. Um, but you, they're not, you know, it's, it's fucking, it's a racket, but, uh, uh, it, it seems like that's what they're lacking, you know, is like, it's always like you're dealing with a fucking soldier whenever you get pulled over. And it's not like you're dealing with somebody who's supposed to protect and serve you. And so, uh, what he told me though, was that like, he also wanted to be that cop and he learned very quickly that you can't, mm-hmm. you just can't. And, uh, you know, that, that was his experience. Um, and he'll be on the show in the future, but, um, you know, it, it, I say that because it seems to mimic what you're saying, you know, it's like the system is set up. It's weird because, you know, we talk about protect and serve yet. And again, no knock on our veterans, but like, it seems like a lot of veterans go into the, into policing and then, um, bring over that like military, style um and it just doesn't work with civilians like you're here to protect and serve me like you help me out like you know you should be rolling through my neighborhood making sure people aren't busting into my shit you know like not fucking fucking with me because i'm smoking weed on my porch you know and thank thank you know let's thank the mayor of chicago for at least that she cleared that up in chicago supposedly that's what she made a statement about you know you can smoke on your porch and you're back uh, deck or whatever and and cpd chicago police department can't do anything about it um, apparently and so you know that that's good i don't know why the law is written to where we have to basically hide or in the future when consumption lounges open we, we can go there and hide in there but like why we can't just smoke outside like in a smoking like yeah, in well, uh, you know. california i don't mean to cut you off but in california no, but um you know if you have a medical card you can just smoke in a smoking section. Like yeah, if it's no, a smoking cool, section right? and you're not, you know, it's a smoking section. Like pe- people shouldn't be, if you don't want to be around smoke, don't be around the fucking smoking section. Yeah. So um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's the way that it should be. And I mean, I think COVID did put a, put a, you know, a stop to the consumption lounge idea because from what I understood and what we've talked with uh, Mike Fouché from Grown In about is that, uh, you know, if you had like a smoke lounge, you could just, you could open up um, a cannabis uh, smoke lounge. Like mm-hmm. like the light, if you were already granted that license or whatever, because, you know, of course there's like smoke-free Illinois. And so there's certain yeah. laws where you can't smoke inside, but then there's exceptions for smoke lounges, right? Like, so yeah. if you have that la- if you have that license or whatever it requires, I'm not going to pretend that I know exactly what that is. Um, but apparently if you have that, you're good to go for like cannabis consumption. Of course, though, again, COVID changed that. And then, um, but also dispensaries would have, maybe we would have seen consumption lounges and dispensaries by now. Cause apparently that's something that can happen um, by law, you know, that you can open up a consumption lounge if you have a dispensary license. So yeah, that's interesting, but, but it's yeah. still like, why, why can't we smoke in the fucking smoking section? <laughs> Somebody smoking a cigarette, you know, at Wrigley field, by the way, though, I have seen, and I've had the experience of smoking weed at Wrigley field. And I've seen uh, a couple other people that have also done it. And they don't, you know, I, you just do ask, do be, be sure to ask. Cause there's not only security, but there's, there's police. 
yeah. nearby. Um, and I asked and was very clear that I was about, I was like, I have marijuana on me, <laughs> you know, like, cause I mean, I had a medical cannabis card, so I don't care, but I was like, yeah. can I, can I smoke it here? You know? And they're like, I mean, yeah, sure. This is the smoking section. And so I got a lot of, uh, cool. got a lot of looks and stuff. And, but it's, I was like, I mean, the kind of like when people were looking at me, I was like, I, the rule makers are right there. So if you got a yeah. fucking problem, talk to them. Like, you know, well, you know, if I could just go back to the cop thing, just, sure. for, just for a second, you know, one Absolutely. of the things that's wrong with our society is that white people aren't educated properly on American history. And so they have all these cliches rattling around in their heads that really don't align with American history. If you want to understand racism with the police in America, it goes all the way back to the early 1800s with blacks and Irish in, in New York City. Um, and so racism has a deep, deep vein in American policing since the mid 1800s. This isn't something that's, uh, you know, and as far as the militarizing of police, yeah, you mean you get a lot of veterans, but the militarizing happens not from the veterans coming, but from just the police. This is what they've evolved to. And a lot of that had to do with the government, the federal government allowing police departments to, um, to buy military type gear and stuff like that. But, you know, the thing about policing is that it's easy for a police officer it's, it's institutionalized racism is what I'm trying to say. And so if yeah. this police officer, any police officer wants to talk about race in their policing, it's, it's institutionalized. It's a, it's a part of the organization and it goes all the way back to the 1800s and, and you can map it back. It's, there's a whole historical uh, story that can be told about that, that is told. And um, so I think what frustrates black people the most is that white people are so naive about American history and black people aren't. And, um, and so as a result, uh, white people learn all this whitewashed nonsense in their public schools or even their private schools. And then black people know the truth. And it's like, we have two different narratives going on. And so, yeah, like if a police, if I ever had to talk to a police officer about race, I would say to them, do you understand the history of race in America when it comes to policing? And they probably wouldn't be able to answer that question. So that's where I'd have them start. And then they can better understand what happens when they, when they behave the way they do to, to, to minorities. Yeah. So, so real quick, uh, the thing you were talking about with them getting military equipment, I was familiar with that. I did have to Google it. So folks, if you want to, you know, check me on this, uh, do please. Um, the 1033 and 1122 initiatives, the 1033 program allows the Department of Defense to transfer excess military equipment to yeah. local law enforcement agencies free of charge as long as they pay for shipping and maintenance. Yep. Um, and th this is something that you saw really come out um, with, uh, I believe, Ferguson. It looks like the So that was from CNBC that I just yeah. read. But mm -hmm. Washington Post is reporting that uh, based on their review of the 1033 program data from march 2020 we calculate the police departments in 49 percent of the approximately 1,000 places with protests as of june 8th have material from the 1033 program of these 160 departments and a few county sheriffs uh wait sorry of these 160 police departments and a few county sheriffs received armored trucks including mrap vehicles arguably the most prominent symbol of police militarization and if folks if you look up the m-r-a-p i believe i know what they're talking about yeah it's it looks like a good old-fashioned tank 
um, that, you know, and I got into an argument one time. Somebody's like, that's not a tank. It doesn't have a fucking missile launcher on the top of it. I'm like, that's a fucking tank. Get out of here. Get out of here. That's a fucking tank driving through the middle of the fucking streets. And technically, you know, I guess if you're, you know, if you're in that world or whatever, it's not a fucking tank, but yeah. Um, right. And, you know, the training call has changed, too. Like their training has been militarized now. You know, they train these cops in the academies uh, differently, you know, than they used to. Sure. And that's something we're going to definitely get into. Uh, and we, I'm, I'm not saying we can't talk about it now, but but yeah, we'll something we're going to get into with our guests is that he, he spoke about the training itself. It's not like, uh, you know, one of the things I've always said is there needs to be more training, like regular training, just like there is with like, you know, if you're in a special lot, like if you're yeah, you need therapy training, like mm-hmm. all of those things need to be recurring. But uh mm-hmm. Also, though, the training itself, though, that's that's the point that, that we'll talk about tomorrow, but I'm glad to talk about it again now uh, is like the training itself is fundamentally flawed in the sense that it's showing you all these like what could go wrong scenarios of like uh, like one time I tried to I had a very good experience with a police officer. He did exactly what I'm talking about, man. I was driving a big a big vehicle, let's just say, and I was going pretty fast. He pulls me over. I was kind of pissed about it. I may have been smoking weed. I was a little worried about that, but uh, he, he just, he didn't know, he didn't figure that part out uh, luckily, but he was like, what are you shipping tonight, man? And I, I wasn't shipping anything that I was worried about and nor have I really ever, but um, you know, I just showed him and, or I just described to him rather. And uh, you know, he's like, Hey man, you know, you're going on this road. There's like a lot of deer in this area and you're driving a big fucking vehicle with all that shit in the back that ain't that ain't secured if you slow down like or if you have to like stop or if you hit something that's gonna come up it could fucking behead you man and he like had this ex- explanation and that it was just a very it was like i i was pissed because i got pulled over but it was a good experience in the sense that i was like see that's what a cop's supposed to do and that's kind of what inspired me that idea that i guess is really not you know attainable but here's the thing this is what i'm trying to say i went to shake his hand and he's like i cannot shake your hand and I ended up figuring out that the reason he, he said he can't shake my hand is because he's been shown this video and this is what they do. Like I say, it's all about what could go wrong scenarios. So yeah, he's, yeah. Seen, he's seen this video of somebody getting pulled over and be like, can I shake your hand? Or I don't even know what it is. I'm not saying that yeah. that's the context, but this guy, the guy apparently gets ended up getting dragged or whatever. And you know, there's there, yes, there's, there are things that happen sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm not saying that that shit doesn't happen. Um, but to, to train you that way, to, tr- to tell you, like train you, like that everybody's out to kill you. You always, and I'm not saying you don't mm-hmm, have to be mm-hmm. careful because again, that shit can happen, yeah. but Jesus Christ, you know, like shake my fucking hand, man. <laughs> like I'm a, I, you know, at the time I was like, I was a kid, you know, and it was just like, I was trying to be very respectful and he was, it was a very pleasant experience. And I was just like, thanks man for like, not fucking giving me a ticket and just like explaining yeah. this to me and like, like thank you have a good night you know and i just offered it and he's like nope can't do that <laughs> i don't know why i think that's funny but it, it just sounds funny maybe i'm too high I don't know. <laughs> it, it is it was funny i la- i mean i'm not gonna lie i laughed because i was just like i was like i'm not gonna push it you're letting me go you know so uh yeah but yeah to your point yeah that's that's the kind of the mindset they kind of create you know yeah so apparently um 
the just to further read into the Washington Post, uh, the Department of Homeland Security's Urban Areas Strategic Initiative and the Defense Department's the 1122 program grant police and sheriff departments money to purchase crowd control items such as cuffs, batons, helmets, gas masks, and other equipment, or allow them to use their own money to buy it at discounted prices. And when we talk about other equipment, let me do a little bit of Google here. Um, did you ever hear about the, oh, now I'm not going to be able to find it. Uh, let's see. Damn it, I can't find it right now, but I swear to you, if you guys can find it online, um, uh, crowd, it's like crowd control heat gun, heat ray. Oh, yeah, I heard about uh, that. That's Portland. crazy stuff. And like, I I'm sure that's something that they got from the military. Okay, yeah, oh. here it is. Uh, uh, AP News <laughs> report, federal feds considered using a heat, a quote unquote heat ray on DC protesters. This was reported yeah, on that's right. uh, September 16th, 2020. That's crazy. Um, and uh, it was a military right. whistleblower. He says federal officials sought some unusual crowd control devices, including one that's been called a heat ray to deal with protesters outside the White House on the June day that law enforcement forcibly cleared Lafayette Square. Is that the one where Trump went out and held the Bible? Yeah, it is. Wow. Okay. So they uh, considered. Okay. In written responses to questions from House Committee, National Guard Major Adam DeMarco said the Defense Department's lead military police officer for the National Capital Region sent an email asking if the DC National Guard possessed a long range acoustic, acoustic device used to transmit loud noises or an active denial system, the so called heat ray. Um, use of either the acoustic device or the active denial system would have been a significant escalation of crowd control for the guard members, particularly since the defense officials ordered that the guard troops not be armed when they went into DC. Um, but this is just, this is crazy. Um, I guess it was that system, the active denial system was developed by the military nearly two decades ago and was unveiled to the public in 2007. It's not clear that it's ever been used in combat, although there are reports that it's been deployed. Apparently the system emits a directed beam of energy that causes a burning sensation um, and was considered a non-lethal way to control crowds, particularly when it may be difficult to tell enemy from innocent civilians in war zones. Use of the device appeared to stall amid questions about whether it actually caused more serious injuries or burns than initially thought. Awesome. So they considered using that on American citizens. Yeah, that's a nasty. I don't know if I have anything to say about that. That's nasty. God bless America. Yeah, yeah. God bless. God bless America. Yeah. <laughs> I got God bless marijuana, or as we like to, as we call it, cannabis. We're gonna spark up some more because, God damn it, we're talking about heavy shit today. Um, <laughs> especially this fucking heat ray. God damn, like that, like. When they when, when they unveiled when they unveiled that thing, I remember seeing like a um, a demo video of it, like like the army tested it. It is nasty. Is it actually? Like it it, dro it your drops skin? you, huh? You know, well, the one I saw wasn't the burn one; it was the acoustic one. And when oh. when they use that acoustic one, you literally grab your head and drop from the pain. 
Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Here we go. The long-range acoustic device, also called a sound cannon, sends out loud messages or sounds and has been used by law enforcement to disperse crowds. The U.S. military has, in recent years, ordered the long-range acoustic device for the Navy's, Navy's military sea lift command to be used by ships to hail or warn other vessels, which sounds yeah. like something real powerful to be using on the people. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool, huh? Meanwhile, the uh, the other folks can just walk right into the Capitol, basically, right. <laughs> and take yeah. selfies and take selfies with with them. Yeah, yeah. that was Amid- pretty. I mean, what wherever you stand on the aisle, you that is that is clearly documented uh, video from so many different angles. Them letting them in yeah. to the Capitol building. I mean. Yeah. Um, and and taking pictures with them and, and, you know, just kind of shooting the shit. I mean, there is a video of an encounter where it looked like an officer was trying his best or whatever. Maybe he was one of those guys that that, that can't, that, that we're going to talk about, you know, that like he's trying, but there's like, he's going to be out sooner or later. (laughs) I don't know. You know what I mean? Cause he can't, he's, he's too good of a person. He's actually trying to defend the Capitol. Um, you know, these other people, yeah, just let him straight in. I mean, dude, the metal detector was going off. The um, they had oh. zip tie handcuffs. Oh yeah, I mean people, you know, people died. They killed people. They murdered people. Yeah, but we gotta. I mean, I don't know if this. You guys gotta Google this. I was fucking cracking up last night. I'm gonna laugh about this, and I think you should too. What is Somebody it? Somebody shot themselves in the nuts with a taser and had a heart attack. Oh. It was one of the Trumpers. Fucking, are you kidding me? That's I, awesome. I, Google, please. <laughs> one of, please one research of the five it. Five deaths that occurred. Did they die from that? Yeah. Okay. Oh my goodness. Okay, Great. let me be clear. Let me be. Excuse me. Let me be clear. Justine, <laughs> would you be would would it be accurate to say you saw it on like Reddit? Reddit. Okay. Okay. Let me, let me hold on. <laughs> hold on. Uh, protester nuts heart attack. That's got to get it right. Probably. Hey. Uh. Oh no. Uh. Apparent heart attack. Eating nut. Okay. Man shot in the genitals. Nope. That was by the that was by the Phoenix police. Man shot in the genitals. Um. What the fuck? I can't find this. So guys, it. This is why. I, oh, uh, one of the four dead, one of the four dead in DC riots suffered fatal heart attack. Mm. Let's see. You know, I did hear that they had tasers. They were tasing people, so it's possible. Yeah. See, but here's the thing. I, there was a lot of weird, weird. Like it was like, what was the point of this fake news floating around? So one, hear me out, man. <laughs> one of the things that was floating around, like somebody told me, they're like, oh, Mike. And it was when this shit was all going down. They're like, mm-hmm. Mike Pence just unfollowed Trump on Twitter. <laughs> and I looked on Twitter just because like I was like curious. I went on Mike Pence's Twitter and he was still following Trump and all his like, I'm pretty sure all his kids in like, uh, you know, uh, the POTUS account. Uh-huh. And uh, and then later that night, another friend reached out to me and said, hey, did you hear? That Mike Pence, it's weird. It was both about Mike Pence. He's like, Did you hear that Mike Pence changed his banner to Biden and Harris? And I was like, Really? And so I searched up on Twitter and no, he didn't. It was, it was Biden, it was, uh, 
his banner, at least last I checked, was a picture of Mike Pence and his wife. Um, so, and I said that to my friend and he was like, oh yeah, I just checked too. I don't know. Like what he's like, I just read it online. And I was just like, I dude, honestly, I was, I was like, I don't fault you. Cause this is the second thing I've heard about Mike Pence's and his Twitter. Cause when it went down, like when, you know, they were like storming the Capitol and like was watching it live on stream and, oh, yeah. or on Twitch and everything. And like, uh, when it went down and people were saying that Mike Pence, you know, unfollowed him on Twitter. I was just like, really? While all this is going on, he's gotten his phone out and he's like, I'm fucking unfollowing him. <laughs> yeah. I'm unfollowing him on Twitter. <laughs> like, I just feel like that's the last thing he really did that day. And he didn't do it. As far as I know, I mean, look it up, I guess, again. That's huh? funny. No, no way that, that spineless wimp would do that. <laughs> hey, but you know what? He did his uh, uh routine duty i don't know how you want to say it but he counted the votes and certified it and and i i uh it's a little weird though because he said beforehand he's like he made a statement he made the statement that he was going to do that that morning by the way and it was weird because he was like you know i've thought about this every way and this is my (laughs) constitutional duty to do this and it's like in other words like i tried man i fucking thought about every which way to fucking take this the other way unbelievable yeah. i mean i don't know I, I i'm not i'm not an expert i always tell people uh like i'm not i don't know shit we just bought like some microphones and connected it to the computer and we upload these <laughs> clips online like i don't really I, that's why i'm always telling people google google what i'm saying and stuff because i don't i don't want to be one of those perpetrators of this fake news i don't want to be that guy that's telling people that shit nope. <laughs> you know so yeah and i disclaimer i'm not a healthcare i'm not a healthcare professional either <laughs> in case anyone's wondering uh, <laughs> what uh you know you said you said you worked in construction what have you done over your life just oh goodness well I worked construction, um, and then as I was going to college, I worked a lot of shit jobs, whether it be, oh, convenience stores, you name it, those kind of jobs. And then when I was in grad school, I, I got a job working for the college that I was going to. And um, and then when I got out, I was a writer. I started out as a technical writer for a financial firm. And then from there, I, I branched out into different forms of writing after that and uh the last job i had was um a project manager for a large consulting firm and my specialty was instructional design so like developing large training projects training development projects gotcha cool and i hated every bit of it by the way (laughs) hey man i couldn't stand it i mean i was doing something honestly like that was another thing is that because i was struggling in my 20s and uh, i still was really in the deep think of the the PTSD I just did something that I thought was the right thing to do which was go and do this thing go to college and get this degree and get some professional job but you know honestly Cole and Justine it wasn't me like it wasn't who I am you know I I was as a kid by the time I was nine years old I had already decided I was going to be a jazz uh, musician you know and I I was good I played uh I played an instrument and I was very good at it and uh and that was going to be my, my life. And then, um, and that guy came into my life and my instrument got repossessed and all this other crazy stuff happened. And I just never had the self-esteem to, to do it again. So 
all that other stuff I was doing in corporate, it was really, I was living a life I wasn't pleased with. And, uh, and that was frankly making me sick too. So my advice to anybody out there, you can force yourself to do something you don't like to pay the bills. And I understand everybody's got to do that. But if you ever have an opportunity to do something you like, I say, go for it. What instrument did you play? <laughs> I played the trombone as a, as a seven and eight and nine year old. <laughs> nice. Have you ever thought about like buying one now and trying to pick it up just like as a hobby? You know, it's interesting that you asked that question because, um, I love that instrument so much and I was so good at it um, that, and I realized I had an aptitude for music beyond the trombone. And so I started to play a few other instruments, but um, after what happened to me as a kid and my abuser broke my instruments. So it was something I couldn't revisit because of the trauma that was behind. It was too, it was too traumatic for me to revisit um, playing an instrument. And it was only, um, only about six, seven years ago, I bought a guitar, uh, acoustic guitar to try to start playing something again. But uh, yeah, the, the, I couldn't do it because of the PTSD. Yeah, I completely understand. I mean, that's that's very valid. But I, don't, I didn't know if you were the type to have like bought yourself one as like a revenge trombone and you're like, I'm taking it back. <laughs> you know what was funny? The trombone, I started playing the trombone only because the, the music instructor uh that would happen to be his favorite instrument and nobody wanted to play the damn thing so he basically forced me to play it <laughs> and uh and i moved on to a couple other instruments after that and and but yeah but you know <clears throat> once that person came into my life any any kind of um a normal life kind of went out the window at that point and it was it was really destructive for me because that was my i honestly believe guys that's what i was put on earth to do like that was my that was my skill with music if, awesome. if you want to gauge on how high I am right now, I had to look up what, you know, what a trombone looks like, because <laughs> I was thinking trumpet. I was like, hey, did he play the trumpet? Like, he's like, tick, 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 you know, but it's no, it's more like, like a, wow. Yeah, exactly. I like that one. I think I think the trombone and the saxophone uh, are my favorite, um, you know, instruments, you know, uh, air instruments, I guess would be the would that be the correct term? Brass instrument. What is it? Brass, brass instrument. Oh yeah. Okay. So the trombone is a musical instrument in the brass family. Correct. I shouldn't remember <laughs> this shit from music class. Damn it. <laughs> the hell. My music teacher would be very upset. We are yeah. very into some some types of jazz. You guys are. Yeah. Yeah. No we kidding. listen to it quite a bit. We put it on just in the background, like while we eat dinner or if yeah. we're just like hanging out around the house or whatever, but yeah, we enjoy it. It's uh, you know, it's not my favorite form of music, but, but I still, well, actually I love quite a bit of it to tell you the truth, especially some of the older stuff, but, um, but it's, it's a, it's a, most people, I mean, you know, most people hate jazz. I mean, they can't just, just the, mention the word and most people just cringe you know and i get it but it's one of those things you either love or hate i guess you know hold on let me be clear wait what, what will we do there's a distinction i i did say some types of jazz some type not, of jazz. Yeah. not yeah. the types where it's just crazy notes up all over the place yeah okay the, okay the really smooth like kind of reminds you of christmas lots of saxophone kind of jazz gotcha. okay Guys, yeah, okay. I, so there's a. Do you watch The Office with Steve Carell? Have you seen it? I used I used to watch it a lot. 
Yeah, there's a scene with Angela. And I, th- I think it's Angela, right? And she's talking about jazz. And she's like, just play the right notes, you know? <laughs> and that's how I feel sometimes when one of those jazz songs come on. Like, I'm oh. in, like, when I'm driving and sometimes we're driving, th- sometimes we'll put on jazz, like, uh, when we're taking long trips, you know, just so it's, like, you put it on, put a playlist on, and it's just, like, you don't have to worry about it, right? Yeah. I'll tell you, dude, some of those some of those types of songs turn on and I'm in traffic and it's like, you know, it's like all over the place. And I'm just like, turn that shit off. It's yeah. making my heart. Beat. Like, I don't know what it is, man. That's the stuff I love. Oh, man. I'm so sorry. I feel. No, it's now. OK. Hey, look, uh, you know, it gives it, me anxiety. That's all. Oh, like, <laughs> Not that it's bad. Oh, yeah. No, I can't stand uh, electronic dance music. I can't stand that shit. Hey, like, Justine's right there with you, I think. Yeah, like 90% of it. I, I don't even know why it's allowed to be played on anything. But Yeah, you know. it sounds like uh, somebody like, you know, like you're like plugging in the mic. It's like, you know, just like, yeah, <laughs> just like really bunch of noises. Yeah, really stuff. I don't like, I don't mind like, you know, house music. That's right. kind of chill, but sure. no, dubstep, uh-uh. Some of that stuff is like, like computer uh, noises. <laughs> it sounds like the Terminators like screaming. Right. I'm not a big new metal fan either. I find that stuff to yeah. be just horrible. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry if you guys are, but I just can't do that for them. No, no, uh, no. We, uh, I would say, what, what would you say we listen to? Like every once in a while, we'll throw on like classic rocks. It'll be like fucking, I don't know, journey uh what were some of the places what were that's a cliche one but what, what were some of the other people bad company what's your name um yeah. how about freebird yep. yeah comes on. yeah of course yeah it's a good 10 minute song to get you cole through, you're not you, you got a southern accent where are you from oh i am from effingham illinois originally no shit. yeah yeah why do so. you have that southern twang is that do people have that down there I, uh, dude, you're the second person in my life that's ever told me that. And I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, wow. Can and I'm not taking, me? I'm not taking, a, I'm not taking uh, offense I, to it. I want to be clear. I think that sounds cool when you say that. Like I, the first no, time I'm somebody not said saying that. It's, I'm not saying that as an insult. I think it sounds all right. I'm just wondering, I thought you were definitely were from the South and some like maybe a little further down than Illinois. Justine, do you pick up a Southern twang? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like where we're at, it's like. 50-50 on everybody else, like fifty percent. Oh, the dude, there's some people down here though, where it's like, oh shit, I'll now. tell you, I'll tell you what. Uh, yeah, dude, there's yeah. So maybe it's like I have like some of that, I guess. You know, because there's a, it's def- just a little. It's very yeah. mild, but I I can hear it a little bit. Cool, cool. Yeah, I want to be clear that I take that as a compliment because like <laughs> somebody has said to me that that that's uh that my that I'm my voice like is unique in that way, and I take that as a compliment. You know, so. It doesn't sound bad. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. The only not thing like, I'm working no. here. Yeah, you're not like, you know, you're not like deep Mississippi. <laughs> yeah. <yee-haw>. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, well, I'm, you know, you guys, all you people that are listening, you got to bear with me. I'm still like, I'm, I've just started. Uh, it's not like my teeth are like fucked up or anything, but I'm trying to cr- like straighten them out. And so I've got Invisalign and it's like, so like oh. every two weeks, my mouth is like, slightly changing and mm-hmm. so i already had kind of a lisp anyway that i had to go to like a lot of speech therapy for um but this just like brings it out to a whole other level and so if i'm th- if i'm talking like this you know it's just like <laughs> give me a break people uh, that but, you sounds know, you even can... more southern when you do that <laughs> really yeah. that's hilarious that's hilarious like, like new orleans or something almost <laughs> well that's what's funny is that yeah that's kind of yeah that's that's right around where i'm from actually 
Actually, so. you did a you did. A, it sounds like you did a very good uh, imitation of Kevin Spacey when he's imitating a Southern person. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! But no, uh, you, that's amazing that you picked that up because uh, yeah, New Orleans, uh, specifically like Rouge area, um, is really where where like I'm from. You know, I, I what do you mean, grew Cole? up. You grew What's up there? No, 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 no. Oh. Like before, like I'm saying though, a lot of my, a lot of my people have come from there. And so everybody that's raised me and I've gone down there growing up, you know, and we've had fucking crab boils and um, yeah, I fucking love seafood. It's been a while since we've had a crab boil here. Um, We need to, we need to get it. We get really, uh, really fancy. We're part no, never mind. I was about to say we're we're in the bourgeoisie, but that's not that's something else, right? <laughs> that's like a government entity or something. That's what the birds work for. Look up that meme. Birds are fake. I don't know if these people actually b- believe it, but these people think birds are fake, and I fucking love it because I love birds. You mean birds in the air? Like Animal? birds, yeah, just in general, dude. Who look up bird. Look up birds aren't real. <laughs> yeah, cool. people don't believe the Earth is round or that birds are real. So. The flat earth thing really gets me, but I've never heard the bird one. Yeah, yeah. Again, there's I swear there's a group of some people that, that are sarcastic about it because they make really funny shirts. I swear <laughs> there's some people that are serious about it, you know. So just if you go down that rabbit hole, be careful about oh, the people that you stumble across. They might be a little oh, crazy. Um Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um hmm. So we we've went really all over the place. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where where I was uh, before I said the birds aren't real, because um, because <laughs> that's fun. Um, oh, uh, we were talking about crab boils and stuff. We're bougie, and I said bourgeoisie. That's one of the things they say. The birds work for the bourgeoisie. Um, it's so stupid. Justine's just sitting here rolling her eyes at me. You guys can't see it. One of these days we'll do YouTube, but she's just like her ha- her hand is in her head is in her hands. She's just like Cole stop talking about the birds um but uh okay so yeah crab boils nobody cares about crab boils but we love them so yeah it's it's amazing that you picked that up um yeah maybe you pick a little less, but you know it's weird in, in new orleans every time i i've only been there a couple of times but they people have more of a it sounds more like a new york accent than a southern accent yeah dude i went there and as recently as 2019 and i think it was do- it probably still is documented on my instagram it was before i did all this stuff with chillinoy i was running a and i literally just renamed the page so there's still content from the old page on the chillinoy podcast if you scroll back but i was in uh new orleans in was it 2019 it was around the first time i met you yeah um i think so some somewhere around there but i was there and i just decided i was like i'm not bringing any weed and it was the worst fucking decision i ever made but it was so easy to, to find weed and everybody's so nice um everybody's so so nice and um i ended up went, going to this place i i don't know how i would find it right now but it was it was very interesting because i ended up seeing it on a vice documentary um this area in new orleans uh, uh gosh i can't think of it i've got I feel bad for even bringing it up because I can't I can't tell you what I'm talking about. But it was this this really awesome neighborhood that, um, yeah, there's a lot of history in. So if I can try if I can find it, I'll try to bring it up in a future show just because it's an interesting topic for folks that are interested. Um, but yeah, sorry, I'm all over the place because I'm really high at this point. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. So so um, 
can I, can I ask just for folks that want to maybe keep up with you where we can find you online? Oh yeah. Well, um, I am, yeah, my, my new site is defunct now. So I don't really, the only online presence I have is on Twitter and, um, my handle is, um, hang on. I just changed. It's okay. I just changed. Yeah, I noticed you changed it. Um, it was My like is now gauge at gauge headmark. At gauge headmark, yes. <laughs> yeah, G A G E H E A D M A R K on Twitter. Yep, that's it. And I, I don't know I don't know what my future where my future lies now. Um, since canning my website, um, I mean one time, uh, when I had my, even my shitty officer Downey free. A website that had, you know, I had a, um, a dispensary steal it all and post it on their website and they wouldn't take it down. I had to hire a fucking lawyer to stop them from doing it. That's fucking fucked up. Just man. dumb stuff like that. I've had. That's crazy. I had no idea that happened to you, dude. I had I, no idea. Oh, I mean, when I, when, when 2016 hit, I wanted to try to get a job in the industry. And so I interviewed for th- three different positions for three different cult, uh, three different uh, dispensaries to be um, either a, a ma- assistant manager or a manager of, of these shops. And I had to turn down, I got all the, I got two job offers out of the three and I had to turn down both job offers because of unethical behavior before the job even started. In one case, uh, the, the, the dispensary I was going to manage, they, hey, anyways, yeah, no, keep going. Sorry. So in one case I had a, I had a, um, I had somebody hire me on as a, uh, I was going to be the manager of this dispensary. And um, the person uh, wanted me to do some, they found out that I had a background in writing. And, and I know I never like to do this because people are opportunists and, you know, they want to take me, they want to use me for my skills and they want to pay me next to nothing and all that stuff. But I kept my mouth shut because I needed to work. So I said, okay. So they were literally paying me something pathetic, like $12 an hour to do writing where I normally get 40 or 50 an hour minimum. And, uh, and so anyway, I did this work for them. This was before the, the, the store was opening. So, you know, they wanted me to do this, this writing work for them. So I did this work and then I, I was supposed to get paid and they were going to, I get a phone call from the owner and he goes, Hey Mark, I know I owe you that money. I was going to mail it out this week, but before I mail that check today, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to go over to my competition and, and pretend you're a shopper and spy on him and then tell me what the deal is over there. And he goes, then I'll pay you. And I go, are you holding my paycheck ransom? So I go spy on your competition. And, you know, I ended up quitting. And before this, and I said, you know, give me my fucking money. Or I'm going to come over there and bash your fucking teeth down your throat. And I said that to him right. and he gave me my money <laughs> and I told him to fuck off. And, you know, these are the kind of people I dealt with in the industry so far. I've never dealt with one honest broker yet, except for maybe one person that owned a dispensary. There was only a couple legitimate people. Most of these people are wealthy white fucking, you know, legal white collar criminals. They, they, they operate just like a Trump would operate right on the gray area and they'll do whatever they can to make a buck. Those, those, uh, for instance, those uh, social equity licenses, those are just a backdoor for the MSOs and rich white people. And they use black people to do it. And I can tell you many examples and, and, um, and that's why they're fighting it out in court right now for exactly what I said. Well, and it's, you know, we've had a conversation, uh, with, uh, man, I, I am so bad with names. Uh, the guy that was unionizing on GTI. Um, I don't know his name. 
uh, Daniel Corral. Daniel Corral. I was asking, sorry, I was asking uh, Justine. Uh, I wasn't hitting you with a pop quiz, Mark. My bad. Uh, yeah, Daniel Corral. Uh, he uh, was talk. He was describing on our podcast how um, they actually like change. They worked to change the definition. Um, and, the, and by all means, they could fit it accurately, you know, when it comes down to it. So let me describe. So he was saying that like the cultivation team wanted to unionize. They wanted to be part of the dispensary unionization. Well, mm-hmm. apparently, apparently GTI said, uh, no, actually, you, and I don't know. I guess they changed the class. From what I understood, they changed like the classification classification. They're like, no, you actually your agricultural workers, the, the cultivation staff. And what that means, I guess, legally is that they don't, I don't understand it. I'm not going to pretend to, but they, they don't have a right to legalize or sorry, unionize. That is interesting, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah. So again, folks, either listen back to our podcast with Daniel Corral, who I fucking called David Corral at the beginning of the show. Cause again, he didn't call him David Koresh. (laughs) <laughs> yeah 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 that's true um but yeah listen back to that if you want to hear what he's saying he said it on a lot of other podcasts including like uh our shows i guess um and podcasts cannabis legalization news is a show he said it on uh um and uh yeah yeah he's you he described his experience rather on um so yeah check that out uh i always want my my people to research what i say and and find out for themselves whether or not what i'm you know, I'm just trying to like be a beacon of information if I can. And I hope I'm not, I hope I'm helping people and not hindering their understanding of how this shit works. You know, I'm trying to give people anyways, I'm not going to try to get too deep. It's pretty simple. I know what you're doing. You're doing the Sean Hannity disclaimer. Look, I'm not a news organization. I'm an entertainment organization. Hey man, take it easy. Don't take my word for it. (laughs) You calling me Sean Hannity. You gotta take it easy, man. No, no, I'm I'm just just fucking your balls. Hey, no, I'm fucking with you too. I'm fucking with you too. Um, yeah, I just, just for the comedy, I thought that'd be funny. So, uh, def, I mean, for sure though, I mean, I am definitely coveting it and probably the same way. I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Like I just try to make jokes here and there and try to read things that I say on the internet. I've been trying to get better about like reading the source and the headlines so that, and the content so that people can try to Google what I'm saying too, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for sure, dude. I'm fucking. I have no idea what I'm talking about, and and really, I just bought a microphone and, and connected it to the computer. So, folks, if I encourage everybody to get a podcast, dude, you should have a podcast. Oh, you should get a podcast, man. Oh. And if you need help, talk to me about it. I don't mean to put you on the spot. No, no. Uh, I mean, look. I just feel everyone's got a podcast. Hey, I, I know. I know. Podcast. No, yeah, that's what everybody <laughs> says, and then they make a kick-ass podcast. Whatever. <laughs> You know, and I'll listen to it and I'll support, I'll support you. I love podcasts. Like I can, I can work. I can do, Justine's going to laugh at this. I can do laundry. I can do, uh, yeah, I can do uh, dishes. Hey, I do them every once in a while. Um, So, uh, and I can listen to a podcast, you know, and like, you know, get through the day. And I, I fucking love this long form conversation. Like, you know, some people have made comments that our podcasts are really long and it's like, whatever, you know, I, I'm, this is, you know, I'm not making it this for everybody. I'm having conversations with people that I want to talk about, talk to things, talk. I'm fucking high. You know talk what I'm trying to, to say? Talk to about things. Yeah. One of yeah. my favorite, my favorite podcast is three hours long. So, you know, yeah, uh, they, yeah. it can be real long and they can still be, you know, fun to listen to. Yeah, for sure. Like, 
Yeah. For sure. So yeah, man. Um, any, any, you know, uh, anything else you'd like to talk about today? As Not we wrap really. up, what, are you still smoking almost, on that? Uh, still smoking? I'm, yeah. Well, no, I'm smoking a bowl of the same bud, just in a bowl now. Good stuff, nice. man. Good stuff. Cheers. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm all set. I hope I, uh, you know, I've only talked about this stuff a couple of times and I probably sound like an inarticulate idiot, but I, I hope it's usable shit anyway. Well, hey, man, uh, I think people can appreciate the fact that you're trying to I'm about to fucking knock over my cup of water twice now. Um, I think people appreciate the fact that uh, I'd like slammed into my cup. Uh, sorry, I'll finish my sentence and thought uh, people would af- appreciate the fact that you're coming on here to talk about these things. Like I say, like I said earlier, to try to help people hit the ground running if they're struggling, you know, and I can I. Uh, commend you for that you know and i want to thank you for coming on here and, and again you're always welcome on here and i say that to everybody out there you can email me um uh i forget my email chili at chillinois.net um and our website's down right now i'm doing some redesigning but uh you'll see something new with that come out in the future folks um but yeah, man, uh, you're welcome on here anytime. Again, wanted to thank you for coming on here and, and chatting. And I would love to have you on in the future. And uh, just let me know, you know, how we can help. And uh, folks, follow him on Twitter. It's at Gage Head Mark. Um, and, uh, you know, if you, you know, help support people, uh, this is all about, this industry is all about give and gain. If I can inspire people to do that at all, build people up. Yeah, thanks, Cole. I appreciate it. You know, we should be building each other up. So, um, yeah, I mean, same here. If you guys ever need to need, if you ever need help with something or you want to collaborate on something or you, whatever, I'm always available. I just want to work with uh, quality people like yourselves uh, that, that are trustworthy and uh, and do good work. I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah, thanks again um, for coming on the show. And um, I'm going to stop this recording, Justine. So. Yeah, thank thanks, you. Thanks, guys. For, thanks, Justine. Thanks for your vulnerability and for sharing your story with us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. It wasn't easy, but I, I'm sure somebody will get something out of it. Absolutely. Yes, that's the hope. That's the hope. Yep. All thanks, right, guys. cheers, guys.